We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends and lovely listeners. I have a couple questions for you to consider. Would you like to have a better relationship with your body? What about your family and friends? Or how about a better relationship with money? It is possible, and despite what many people believe, it does not have to be hard. Law of attraction dictates that we manifest what we think about, but if you noticed, it isn't always easy to control your thoughts. So today we're going to be talking about some simple steps we can begin to take to improve any area of your life and become friends with our sometimes unruly thinking mind. Here to have this compelling conversation is my good friend, spiritual compadre, and consistent cheerleader, Penny Orloff. Penny is the author of Life as Art as Life Work and Life as Artwork, a creativity seminar and workbook that has been offered nationwide since 1991. Penny's personal development system, Wishful Thinking, synthesizes the human proclivity for magic and symbolism with practical steps to manifest your highest good and greatest happiness. Penny has been the art therapist at a residential drug and alcohol rehab facility in Malibu, California, for six years, and a Tarot-based counselor for decades. Penny is a frequent contributing author to the Chicken Soup of the Soul series and is the best-selling author of her book, Jewish Thighs on Broadway, which is available at Amazon.com. She is currently working on her new book, Who Would You Be If You Had Nothing to Bitch About? So, Penny, that's a really interesting title to your book and a compelling thing to consider. I, I love the titles of your book, Jewish Thighs on Broadway, and Who Would You Be If You Had Nothing to Bitch About? So, Thank I'm you. excited. Like I'm excited about this. So many people want to talk about what's wrong with their lives, how the relationships aren't working, how they don't have enough money. And, and you say, you need to knock that off. Well, I, I do think people have to be cognizant of, of what they're bitching about. Sometimes people complain about things in their lives that are real problems, but they don't even hear themselves complain about it. It's gotten to be habitual, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it becomes impossible then to change it. So what I've done, as, as I was watching myself complain a couple of years ago about, about things in my life, complaining about Suddenly, my entire life seemed to be about those two or three things that mm-hmm. I complained about, and I lost sight of the many blessings and how really, truly wonderful, rich, meaningful my life was. Uh, I would just go on autopilot and complain about the two or three things that bothered me, and they really bothered me. Um, so I, I made a list of things that I routinely complained about, and the book title what I bitched about and thought, okay, if those things didn't exist, who would I be? And uh, I realized I already was that person. And I figured out how to minimize or eliminate from my life the things I was complaining about, but to make them smaller. And the way, the easiest way to do that 
without moving out of your house that you don't like or leaving a relationship or getting a divorce or selling your children or whatever it is you're complaining about <laughs> instead of, and you and I've talked about this so frequently, what you are focusing on and what you are spending your energy on, that's what your reality is. So I made a list of 10, 10 things I really, really love and not just about my life because that removes one if you're looking at your whole life and what's good about your life. Instead of that, what is guaranteed in any moment to make me happy, to calm me down, to make me feel comforted and centered? Petting a dog always works. Feeding the birds. Sitting at the piano and playing one tune that I know how to play well. Um, eating something that, uh, like an apple. Always a bite into an apple. I always get that burst of happiness. Wind <laughs> chimes. If I hear wind chimes bird songs, things like that. But when I'm in that place that we all sometimes, unfortunately, do go to, where we identify with the thing we're complaining about, I don't hear the birds singing. I can't hear wind chimes if they're blowing right next to my head. But to make a list of 10 things that I always enjoy, 10 small things, like wind chimes, uh, bird songs, petting a dog. And if I then focus in on that and hear it, if I hear wind chimes, I stop and recognize I am hearing wind chime. And I remind myself that always makes me happy. And so for 15 seconds, I get a vacation from whatever it is I'm complaining about. You and I have spoken about um, this, this one, the game, when you're in the car and you're a kid and it's a long ride and you're bored and you make up these little games to pass the time. And the one game you and I both had, which was bought the yellow Volkswagen. And yes. we do, when we're looking for the yellow Volkswagens, we spot every yellow Volkswagen because we're watching for it. We don't see blue Chevrolets. They're there, but we're not scanning for them, so we don't see them. Reality is all out there at all, all times, all of it, all the time. What we are scanning for is, is what our reality, our experience mm -hmm. of life mm -hmm. is in any given moment. So That's that so whole true. thing of my complaining about certain two or three things a couple of years ago, complaining about these, my job and, and another thing that I won't go into, but I found myself complaining about that and watching for evidence that it sucked. You know, watching for that evidence, and I always found it, and I missed bird songs. I wasn't listening for them. I wasn't listening for wind chimes. I wasn't going all over to the, the Petco on Puppy Day and petting the puppies because I was watching yeah. out for what sucks about my job. Yeah, I think what you're saying is so true. We get what we're looking for. Uh, Course in Miracles has a quote. I drive my husband crazy with this one because I repeat it, but it seems like I get it on deeper and deeper levels the more I consider it. It, it says the ego is like a scavenger dog and it will always find what it's looking for. So oh, if we're looking for what's yeah. wrong with this picture, we're always going to find what's wrong with this picture. Oh, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I don't, I hate that I'm overweight. And I'm focusing about what's wrong with me. And I need to starve myself. I need to work out more. But I have found personally doing anything with the motivation of anger or self-loathing never really supports me in reaping the rewards <laughs> that 
I want. <laughs> it doesn't work. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. And and that so, whole thing about um, that scavenger dog thing, I just love that image. What what are you looking for? And and we can. I mean, it's very very difficult to change every circumstance of our lives in one moment. But all at once, we mm-hmm. can change our experience of our moments by listening for the wind chimes. And for a moment, you're distracted from everything that sucks, you know, and that is the experience of life. Um, I'm an art therapist at a rehab. You mentioned that in the bio before we, mm-hmm. before we started this conversation. And these are people in the rehab, drug, drug addicts and alcoholics who have basically no control over their disease. And it is a disease and it's recognized as a disease any more than someone with diabetes can just change their disease by saying, okay, I'm not going to have diabetes anymore. Mm-hmm. But the focusing on the alcoholism and the self-loathing about it and focusing on the powerlessness of it does nothing to balance these folks who some of them have lost everything. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, but they're powerless against this disease. And um, in the art therapy, I asked them to just, just focus on process, not because a lot of them, I stink at art. That's the first thing they'll say to me. Sure. And I ask them to reframe that because I stink at art. That's a, that's a very cruel thing to say about oneself. And it's not even true. Most of these people who say that, after they were 10 or 11 years old, they've never given themselves the opportunity to explore anything artistic. So how right. do they know? How can they make that pronouncement? So I ask them to reframe what they're saying. Instead of saying, I stink at art, just say the truth, which is, I've not yet given myself the opportunity to explore this. That leaves the door open instead of slamming the door. And also, it's not that hostile, self-loathing thing, I stink at anything. Yeah, there's no way you're going to win in that scenario. No way you're going to win. Yeah, Yeah, but it also slams the door, and a lot of them then cannot sit down and enjoy just playing with art materials and just make a mess and just, you know, play. So um, that's one thing. Also, there there have been people who say, "I, I should be grateful. I have so many good things about my life. And they start talking about things at a distance. And it's still, it's removed from present enjoyment. So to find things that are right with not my life, what's right with this moment? And, you know, it helps me to have that list of things. If I hear a bird song, that's right with this moment. But if I'm not listening for it, if all I'm listening for is my neighbor's noise, which makes me so angry, I'm focused in on the very thing that is uh, keeping me off balance. Instead of listening, I mean, there's a lot of trees in the courtyard of the apartment building I live in. And if I really listen, I can hear birds. If I'm listening for the birds, I'm not even hearing my neighbor's noise, which I say bothers me. But it's I zeroing in on what is bothering me. You know? Yeah, it's hard to get out of that hole when when you're thinking that way. You know, it reminds me of another saying, when you change the way you look at things, what you look at changes. Wow, that's good. I think that's so important. And you brought something up that I thought was so so powerful, so incredible, and What's it's so that? different than what a lot of people talk about. In dealing with some of the people at this rehab center who were judging their alcoholism as bad, you're like, well, how has it served you? 
what was good or positive yeah. about it? And they're like, what? <laughs> can you talk a little bit yeah. more about that? Yes. Yes, I can. Um, I'll, I, of course, it's all very anonymous. Uh, but um, a client came back uh, two weeks ago. He'd been sober and clean for five months. And then he showed up again uh, at the rehab. And he was devastated and self-loathing. And he had relapsed. And he was depressed. And... There was no consoling him. He had failed all of this. And I suggested he hadn't failed. He had actually succeeded in several important ways. One was that he had come back to rehab instead of losing two more years of his life. Mm-hmm. He, had the, he had internalized the skills where he had two days of a relapse and then came back to the clinic. So that, that was a success. He didn't suddenly lose two years or five years of his life. He came right back. And another thing was he learned um, very clearly that he, the, that he controls the disease. Though he had a relapse, he controlled it immediately. And he suddenly saw that as, oh, that's what's right with this picture. I said, okay, you've told me everything that's wrong with this picture. What's right with this picture? And mm-hmm. I suggested a couple of things, and then he came up with, with a bunch of other um, wonderful qualities that he had learned. He knew to ask for help, which he never could do before. He knew now to, he had all these new skills that enabled him not to cure the disease, because like diabetes, that's an incurable disease. You manage the disease, but it's not curable. He had learned all these wonderful techniques and skills to help him manage his disease. I saw him just yesterday and he looked a world better and he was working with his therapist and working with the, um, going to meetings and feeling successful Mm. just through the reframing, you know, just through the reframing. How, how is this a good thing? What if, what if it wasn't a bad thing? What if this were a good thing? Also, he said one good thing, a really good thing he said about the relapse was he realized that just going to rehab and getting clean and everything and going out, he realized it is a disease and he has to be careful all the time. He Mm. can't just go about his business. He has to be mindful and Mm. it was good for him to realize that. And now he realizes it's not, I mean, if it were so easy, there'd be no addicts in the world. If it were so easy, that's a good point. I don't think people you know? consciously choose that for themselves. I don't think that's something we can, that anybody would want. But something you're saying yeah. brings to mind something I think is so important. Judging ourselves, hating ourselves, beating ourselves up rarely bodes well in the bigger picture. And what I hear that you did for him and what I know has worked for me in my life is come to a place of self-acceptance to look at it, whatever it is you're judging as a learning opportunity, and then ultimately to have, like, compassion for ourselves and our process, respect for ourselves and our process. Because it's not easy being human. Best case scenario, it's not easy. And worst worst case scenario, it's hell. That can be very, very challenging. Nobody's born knowing how to do this. And we, we learn from people when we're little kids, when we're just newborn and newly here without any experience, we learn from people who may be doing the very, very best they can, but are, are dysfunctional or imbalanced or unhappy themselves and who, who don't know how to do it. And we take on their habits as well. And, you know, they may be doing the best they can, but maybe they're just not 
great at it. Maybe they're not masters of it and can't teach us. We bring up a good point. Yeah, most of us weren't raised by enlightened masters. And as children, our our parents are actually our gods. Like we know on some level without them, we will die. We will perish. And they become our higher authority. They become our gods. And then we end up taking that and projecting that on to our lives. You know, I I had a, a, you know, a father that didn't really want me around that much. He didn't, I wouldn't say, you know, he loved me in his way, but it didn't feel like great affection or kindness. So I ended up without knowing it. And I think we all do this, believing that God was like my father. And it wasn't a conscious choice, but I had projected that experience and the qualities of my father on my heavenly father. And it wasn't until somebody brought that up to me that it was like, oh, well, that's not logical. And then I started choosing to make different choices it had to become conscious first and then i started redirecting the ship and um it was it was a slow it was a big ship it took a while to get that thing you know turned around but um you know it's those small steps in the right direction the small steps in the right direction and eventually we will get to the life that we desire and that is the good news is that that's our journey that is a heroic journey, figuring it out and, and coming journey to peace and peaceful mm-hmm. terms with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But, but something, what you were saying. Well, one of my teachers said something that I thought was so powerful. It wasn't on my radar at the time, but now I totally believe this and buy into it. He said, the purpose of your life is to learn to love yourself no matter what. I thought that was such a bizarre notion, but I know that that's true. And you know, it's painful when somebody withdraws their approval or doesn't approve of me. But what's more painful is when I withdraw approval of myself. And if I can take care of just having affection and kindness and compassion for myself, I'm on solid ground. And then when other people don't like me or judge me, I realize that on some level it has nothing to do with the truth of who I am. That their stuff, you know, I'm bringing something up for them and I don't feel the need to try to change their minds. I used to. I used to tap dance really hard to get people to like oh. me. <laughs> you know that one, don't you? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. So what people think of me is no longer any of my business. <laughs> Boy, I my, like that a lot. Just keep taking care of myself, tilling my own land, taking responsibility for myself. And, and thinking again about what's right with my life. What's right with this picture? So despite anything bugging me, be it a person, my body, the weather, if I can just change my focus to not what's wrong, but what's right, I find myself starting to relax into a more peaceful state of being. And isn't that what most of us want? (laughs) Yeah, most of us want to be happy. And, you know, by focusing on, on what's, what's wrong, what's making me miserable, what I don't like, that is guaranteed to continue the unhappiness and even increase the unhappiness. But focusing in on things that do satisfy, that do please, that do give me joy, uh, pleasure, that keep me calm and centered, then I, I experience my life as one of, of joy and happiness. I am happier and I can do it. And, and these people at the, at the rehab, at the clinic, they can do it moment to moment. They learn to do it. Change your mind 
change your experience. And it does help. I think it was Deepak Chopra said, we are not our thoughts. We're the person that's having the thoughts. And people say, I can't help what I think, but that's not true. You can step aside and watch yourself having the thoughts and watch yourself reacting to your thoughts. And suddenly it dawns on you, I am not, the essence of me is not that thought. The essence of me can observe having the thought, but one can separate from the thought and manipulate thoughts. Like instead of thinking up a horrible memory that causes distress, to think up at the same, you know, the happiest moment of your life when you felt the most successful or the happiest or the moment you laughed the hardest and thinking up every detail of that moment, even your chemistry, your blood chemistry changes. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And I think that's, yeah. that's the important part, Penny, and it can be so hard, is to, to be conscious of or to realize you're having a negative thought because it can be such a habit. It's sort of like you know, a river going down a particular groove for a long time. It's, it's not easy to redirect that river immediately. It's like you know, one shovel at a time, one thought at a time. And I know for me, when I finally became cognizant of the fact that I was thinking very hateful thoughts about myself, beating myself up. I was like, wow, I'm really mean to me. I would never be this mean to anyone else. But once I had that awareness, what I decided to do was um, redirect my thought every time I realized I was having it. And I would just imagine myself um, dancing on a mountaintop in in this white gauzy dress and see myself as someone that was beautiful and graceful. And then the affirmation is, I am graceful, I am confident, I am prosperous. And just plugging that in, just plugging that in. And it really did, over time, start to redirect the river. Well, you did that to me. We had a session and... um you know, you've counseled me, I've counseled you, but there was a counseling session you did for me and I was feeling kind of low. And you did speak of that, about you're so kind to everybody else and you can spare not, no, none of that kindness for yourself. And, and that's, that's just interesting. You didn't tell me it was good or bad. You said that's just so interesting that you have all this compassion for all these strangers, all these other people, but you can't spare a moment's compassion for yourself, and you you did a, a hypnotherapy session with me, and I will never forget this. You talked me into congratulating myself when I get anything right. Like if I can't find a word in my brain, I'm writing, and the, a word escapes me, and suddenly I get the word to thank myself for coming up with the word, mm-hmm. for being constantly aware of whatever I get right, and congratulating myself, praising myself, thanking myself, for whatever I get right in life. <laughs> Tammy, I do that all day now. I mean, <laughs> if I don't get lost in traffic, if I don't get lost, it's like, wow, that was good, Penn. That was good. You found it. You know, arriving somewhere on time. Because I do. I'm very punctual. But not to take that for granted. When I arrive yeah. on time, saying, wow, you timed that just perfectly, Penn. I'm always praising myself. And you, you actually... I don't know. You hypnotized me, and that's what has come out into the last couple of years. I, well, you know, we, we have done that for each other. We've definitely yeah. uh, seen the blind spots in one another's lives and, and invited us, invited one another uh, to do a little bit of course correction. And I would say uh, both of us have definitely up-leveled in our lives on 
in every way <laughs> since we met all those oh. years ago. So it's something I, I really, so. really appreciate about you. And I appreciate that I was open to it. You know, that, that thing, though, about, about being open to being kind to ourselves, accepting ourselves and all that, and just that idea of, of so many of us feel underappreciated or not appreciated at all. No one compliments us. No one uh, is, is supportive. But like you say, and, and have written in uh, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out, one of the big things you say over and over in your book that I love is that outer reality is a reflection of inner reality. How is what you're experiencing out there a lack of praise, a lack of support? How is that a perfect rela- uh, reflection of how you are treating yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's what we had been talking about when you did this exercise for me and changed it. I felt underappreciated and no one appreciated it and I wasn't getting, you know, the what I was due and all that. And you said, okay, how is it that you don't do that? And from then on, how do you not appreciate yourself? Mm-hmm. And I feel totally supported and totally appreciated. And it's because I'm constantly giving that appreciation. And instead of looking in the mirror and saying, geez, Penny, your eyes look puffy. God, you look so old. Oh, your thighs are so fat. Instead, I look for something nice. Wow, your hair has grown. It's like a halo. I say nice things to myself. I find one thing to praise. And I feel pretty because someone noticed and someone praised me. And that person was that woman in the mirror. And that is that? so amazing. It's like when we can look yeah. in the mirror and look for what we like about ourselves. It's like, I, yeah. I, I love my eyes or I'm having a good hair day or, wow, you know, those extra sit-ups, I can really see how that's affecting me. And in a positive way, if we can start to cultivate those small kindnesses to ourselves, we can eventually get to the place of having great affection for ourselves. And once that happens, our life really becomes supportive and miraculous and prosperous and, and loving. Yeah. Well, that. You, you said so much about that in, in Manifesting Love. And for your listeners, I, I do want to just suggest they read um, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out because in a nutshell, it's all there. It really is. And, and um, I still go is. back to that book. I've given that book to some of my <laughs> clients at rehab, and it changes their lives. Those principles are the same. I mean, being kind to yourself, being accepting bestowing the same kindness on ourselves that we're willing to bestow on complete strangers. And when we do that, our life our lives transform. It's not always simple, but it's it's easy. The work is easy if you just know how to do it. And what else is yeah. easy, Miss Penny? are my conversations with you. I always enjoy our time together so much, and this has just flown by so quickly. I hope we can do it again very, very soon. And okay, Adam, I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, yes, maybe later today. Thank you, Adam, okay. for being here. Thank you, Brent Carey, for this forum called Empower. I'm just so excited to be a part of this. And to my listeners, it wouldn't be as much fun without you. So I'm just so honored that you've spent some time here with us today. And if you want to get a hold of me, please go to TammyBPhD.com. That's spelled with an I. TammyBPhD.com. Download my free guided meditation. Write to me with any questions, suggestions, thoughts, ideas. I really want to cultivate our connection. So take care of yourself. Cultivate some kindness. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.